It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And I'm like, in my mind, I was like, what am I going to do if the Cubs ever win? I'm going to be tattooed and pregnant in a gutter somewhere, and they're going to be calling me up to try to do a sports center hit. Welcome back to The Run. This is episode eight. Our next episode, Roy, is going to be devoted entirely to game seven of the World Series. Momentous. And I think that means we finally get to hear your story about the bathrobe in full, which I'm excited about. The rain-soaked bathrobe. Still. It can't just be rain. It is Cleveland. I'm sure there are other particulates. (laughs) (laughs) in that garment. But before Game 7, we have to detail the Cubs' homestand. Yeah, I mean, and last episode when we dealt with Games 1, 2, and 3, we talked a lot about the World Series finally getting to Wrigley Field for Game 3. So there's so much about, oh my God, look, it's the World Series here that we have dealt with. But we need to talk about games four, five, and six specifically as well. And I'm really excited to talk to Sarah. And I know you are excited to talk to Sarah Spain. It is 2-1 Indians right now after three games. As I mentioned, we will go back and deal with something for game three. But tell people about Sarah Spain because you guys have a connection, Roy. So I'm at a random Cubs game on a random day. I don't even think I was performing in Chicago. It was one of those oh, I'm in Peoria. Let me swing by and catch the day game before driving to Peoria. And I'm just coming down the ramp. And you know how you do a double take? You know how you think you see a respected sports journalist? You know how you think you see someone you see all the time on ESPN? You know how you think you see this person? I go, that is not Sarah. Then Sarah Spain's looking at me, and I know she's thinking, you know how you think you see the black guy from Comedy Central? That's not Trevor Noah. You know how you think you see a static. And, like, I cannot explain it, Matt, but it was one of those moments where you meet someone, but it's like you're seeing each other for the second time and not the first time. And we stood there, and we talked baseball, and then... Then she did the ultimate. And this is this is when I knew she was a real Cubs fan. I thought I was a Cubs fan because I go watch one or two spring training games when I was still living in LA. Sarah goes, Oh yeah, we tailgated the game. I didn't even know spring training tailgating was a thing. It never crossed my mind. This woman has a vehicle that she takes to Arizona and chills with her husband and talk shop. And so that invitation was the ultimate joy. We've, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of, you know, watching a couple games with her. Some fun. So, matter of fact, Sarah was there the night we lost to the Mets in the sweep. 
and I lost my voice, and I was on C-SPAN the next night with no voice. We got to get her on. Sarah Spain, welcome to the I was also there when you wore full pants to like a 90-degree summer game and then decided to buy new pants and cut them into shorts. So you were wearing Cubs jorts in a suite. Um, Yeah, we had a lot of good times. I've also seen the bathrobe in the flesh and a iPad that he decided was a better way to use. He, He tried to innovate signage. And he thought, instead of bringing a sign that you write on with marker, if you just bring an iPad, then you can change what you have to say every single time by just erasing and starting over. It did not catch on. So, so you've got this, um, this Chicago Cubs fan cred that is clearly in place through devotion in both Arizona and Chicago. I, I mentioned that Game 3 was such a big deal um, because it's the return of, uh, of the World Series to Chicago. And, it, it, you know, there's a sign that's very famous that you can see on one of the rooftops beyond the right field stands. And in Latin, it says Amos Cthulhu. And there's a lot of people who have no idea what that is. Not only do you know what that is, you have a very specific and personal connection with that uh, that resonated through that Game 3 of the World Series. Please explain that sign and the entire experience to people. Yeah, so Amos Cthulhu uh, roughly translates to in the year, uh, well, actually that translates to Let's Go Cubs. Um, uh. There isn't a direct translation to Cubs, so it actually means whelp, W-H-E-L which is like a a young animal. Um, And so it says, let's go Cubs. And then the numbers that follow, uh, it follows AC Anno Catalorum, which means in the year of the Cubs. And then the numbers that follow are how many years it's been since they won the division, the pennant, and the World Series. So when the 2016 season started, they had had to add another digit a couple years earlier for the World (laughs) Series. It started out with only a certain number of numbers, and then once it passed a century mark, they had to add another number. But it said AC 0871108. It had been eight years since they won the division, 71 since they won the pennant, and 108 since they won the World Series. So, of course, we get to Wrigley, and I had gotten the honor of changing the 08 for winning the division to 00 because they had won it. And we get back to Wrigley, And the same connection and friend I had at that rooftop where the sign lives reached out and said, are you going to be here for game three? I said, of course, I'm going to be at every game. Uh, Can you change, can you change the pennant numbers too? And I was like, absolutely. And I have incredible pictures of me holding the 70 and the one after I take it off, replacing it with OO. So I got to change the Amos Cthulhu sign. So when I left it, it said AC 108 and of course, little did we know as things started to look a little rough midway through this series that we would eventually get to take down all the numbers and make it read AC O O O O O O O. So so that's amazing. So Sarah Spain, part of the fabric of Wrigleyville, all the way through to game three of the World Series, first game uh, since 1945 in a World Series at Wrigley Field. That game three, Roy, as we talked about, super tense from start to finish, every pitch the game was either tied or within one from beginning to end. And the Cubs did nothing offensively. So we hit game four and the Cubs clearly need to get active and do something. Where was your confidence level at at this point? Or as we've been saying, Sarah, the goatometer, your belief in, in the curse, your belief in the Mm. inevitability of losing. If right, Roy, if the goatometer is high, then you know that death is coming fairly quickly. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> I, before she gives us her number, my guess is that she's the forever optimistic Cub fan. I'm going to guess that her gotometer was about a three. I appreciate this new scale. I use the sphincter scale, which is how puckered <laughs> are you? And I tend to, to Roy's uh, uh, excellent analysis, I tend to be less puckered than the average fan. I am very optimistic. I presume that if you if you are anxious and you experience the trauma of something before it even happens and then it does happen, well, now you've experienced it twice for no reason. So you might as well stay optimistic until the very last moment. So I was pretty optimistic still. I was concerned about the offense. And we remember, of course, that some of what we got in the first two games was from Kyle Schwarber, who was, you know, not in the lineup and was, uh, you know, a, a particular skill that we had that that was not available at Wrigley. And my gotometer was uh, three. Three sounds right. The home of the Chicago Cubs, Wrigley Field. And tonight, World Series game number four, with the Indians up two games to one. I was still optimistic. We had taken one from them at home. They had taken one from us. Now let's get back to winning the homestead. So let's talk about the Cleveland Indians, huh? It has been an impressive ride through this postseason for Terry Francona's bunch. Yeah, they've almost been perfect, really. You talk about how they got here, only lost one game. They were not getting any respect. And all they've done is gone through Boston, Toronto, and they've had two shutouts against But to do that in game four, the Cubs have to go after Corey Kluber. And we got out to a decent start to start the game, you know. Fowler leads off with the double, and then Rizzo singles him home. And, it, like, I always feel good when we score first, Sarah. Like, I, I'm like that, that unpuckers me, if you will. That's in the center. Here comes Fowler. The Cubs strike first. Then the second inning, Santana homers. And then we get an, um... We, 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 there was there was some bad defense as well, if I'm not mistaken. A couple right? errors, I believe, by Bryant, right? Was that this game? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Bryant, super sloppy, and on one throw that was like 10 feet to the right and above Anthony Rizzo, there's an intentional walk that really just allows more sloppy defense to take place. So, yeah, and I mean, and you mentioned Kluber, Roy. The thing to me is like, I mean, I grew up hearing about certain postseason pitchers who would go games one, four, and seven of the World Series, right? Uh, like the very rare few who were strong enough and good enough, Bob Gibson, Mickey Lolich, whatever, like these random names that stick in your head. Like, oh man, is Corey Kluber that guy? And we just watched Bat- Madison Bumgarner do it, like win single-handedly, or like Schilling and Randy Johnson, right? In 2001, it's like, oh, they might just Corey Kluber us to death <laughs> this entire World Series. So it started to happen. Have that feeling in the middle of his second start, like, oh, he, maybe he's that guy. Okay, and, we're screwed. And the other thing that was way. that Kluber was coming on three days rest. So I'm like, yep. well, all we have to do is just, like, I'm I'm a stickler for pitch count. And, you know, I do all of my major league research, Sarah, by playing MLB The Show on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I've learned from playing MLB The Show is that if you take a lot of pitches, file off a lot of balls, have some good long at-bats, anywhere from eight to 12 pitches, you can work those pitches and get to the bullpen sooner. <laughs> I think that's actually what Joe Madden was using as well. Yeah, that's I heard Joe Madden say he had that same approach. Um, well, what I was thinking at the time was some of those— More Chapman, more Chapman, yeah, more uh, Chapman. Something I've oh, never said. I was thinking to myself that I was glad that Lackey was on the mound, not because I necessarily thought that he was the best arm, 
But as a veteran and as someone who hadn't carried many years of the Cubs' essence, I wondered if he might bring some stability to the youngsters who I I didn't think were going to be particularly overwhelmed by the moment because, again, we as Cubs fans, like 80-year-olds, will project onto a 25-year-old who's been with the team for a year their 80 years of sadness. And I want to say, listen, that kid's been on the team for one year. He just he doesn't have the same weight that you do, despite the fact that it's actually on his shoulders to change the narrative forever. But he just got here. He's, he's not, he doesn't have 80 years of stories to tell about disappointment. Stop putting that on him. But I thought it, at the very least, if there was a, a sense of overwhelm players from from the Bryants and those that had some of those mishaps, I thought, okay, well, Lackey's a guy that doesn't give a F about anything. Like, he's got this. And unfortunately, he did not. Well, that's a really interesting point, though, about how this team was full of, like, outsiders. Because you're right, the fans are the ones who bring the angst and bring the history But this team was full of either kids who were too dumb to know the difference, which was kind of beautiful, or like grizzled old veterans who had won before, like Lackey, Ross, and Lester. So you're thinking like, so so I guess that that had something to do with the specialness all year long and and in the World Series. And that is part of the reason that my gotometer was never at a, I mean, admittedly, uh, perhaps at a certain point in Game 7 it got there. But I kept saying to myself, and I said this on TV at every opportunity I had, we're applying to them something that that doesn't apply. That's our BS that we have to get through. Anthony Rizzo, I think, was the longest tenured Cub on this team, and it was five years. I said the longest anyone on this team has been dealing with the malaise of being a Cubs fan and the and the ennui of, of wondering if it'll ever happen has been five years. So quit putting your crap on them for another hundred years. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so then at the end of game four, smoke clears, final score, Indians, Guardians, seven. Cubs yeah, too. Not, not, Katie not, Couric yeah. left early. That chick from the Fast and the Furious that Fox needed to show during the game to talk about whatever new show she was on. She was long gone. Just yeah. You know what? During this World Series, I was more enraged than ever that those people had good yeah. seats. I would have been you mad, know? but mine were free that day. So I was like, listen, <laughs> I'm just like Katie Couric. We're the same. Me and George Jordana Brewster. We're alike. You know, John Hamm. Was it in Wrigley? I think he, he was at Game Three wearing a, a Cardinals hat. Do we know oh. if he got out of there safely, or did they give him the Bartman exit? Uh, let me tell you what I gave him. 
because I went into the same entrance as John Hamm that day, and he was wearing his hat, and all these mother bleepers kissing his ass. Oh, John Hamm, we love Mad Men. Oh, we don't care that you're wearing a Cardinals hat. And I was like, yeah, I love Mad Men too, but I do care. And so I walked up to John Hamm. I said, take that stupid hat off. They're not even playing in this series. And as it turned out, was not well received. Um, didn't find it funny or take the hat off, but I felt like a true Chicagoan that I wasn't just going to let him stroll in wearing Cardinals merch to a series that they weren't even in. I asked him about that full disclosure here. I worked with John Hamm on the upcoming Confess Fletch picture, which I sure will come out at some point next year where he... You know, oh, my dog's name is Fletch. I've been waiting for this remake for years. Serious? My dog's oh my name is Fletch. I have a Fletch jersey signed by Chevy for my dog. I have a Fletch photo signed by Chevy for my dog. to the set. Oh, my God. Uh, duh! And, I, and I asked him about it. I go, dog, why do you... Where? He goes, I'm from St. Louis. And, 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 and he, he completely busted me because just on a regular day on set, I'm wearing a Cubs hat. He goes, why do you wear that? They're not playing here today. I was like, yeah, you got a point. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, you got a point. Represent. So <laughs> the Cubs are officially down 3-1. Well, hold on. Can I, can, if I can jump in here to the Friends of John Hamm meeting that is taking place <laughs> uh, on the Zoom of right now. Um, you know, the, the thing about that game four, by the way, is that they used Andrew Miller, did Terry Francona, but then he didn't have to use the other great bullpen guys like Clevenger or Shaw or Cody Allen. He used some jamoke named Dan Otero mm. to finish that game. And I remember thinking, man, Terry <laughs> Francona is so good at bullpenning through the playoffs. He can use the ninth best mm. pitcher on the roster to beat the well, Cubs. This yeah, is not a that, good feeling. That, that's helped point. a little bit by the fact that the score was such a blowout that he had some, some room. To, and that was in part thanks to Chicago boy Jason Kipnis, who we haven't even mentioned, put up a three-run yes. homer on his beloved Cubs, which was, I mean, that yes. was a storyline that wouldn't die that whole series. I did feel bad for him and his family that they couldn't. Did you guys Did you guys know that he did was you from know that? Did you know he's from Northbrook? Did you know that Jason yeah, Kipnis no, is in all of his family as a Cubs fan? Did you know that? Wait, yeah. I didn't did you know hear that. that? Three, did you ever hear that? Yeah, three times to- three times yeah. a game. I heard that. I didn't hear that. Were they harassing his family or was it just No, no, no. Up I felt home? bad for his no. family because they are diehard Cubs fans. Oh, okay. So their their team is finally in it and their son is on the other team. So they like can't truly enjoy either one if they win. Well, the wind is blowing in, maybe left to right just a bit. It's 51. It feels a heck of a lot colder than that. It's going to get more chilly. As we go, that's what the Scarecrow would say in the Wizard of Oz. I think it's going to get colder before it gets warmer or something along those lines. Let's take a look at the lineup. So, so we hit game five, Roy, the third straight game at Wrigley. Cubs offense has not done anything. They're down three to one. And Terry Francona, who is a master of using the bullpen in the World Series in, in the postseason, is kind of inventing a new way to do it on the fly with Andrew Miller there, frankly. And he has everybody at his disposal for game five. It's 3-1, man. you got to win this game or this thing might end on your turf, mm. losing three in a row. Gotometer check-in. Yeah. The optimistic Sarah Spain, I do not believe you're still at a three are we, are on we, the Is it a one to ten? Is, this, this, is the gotometer yeah. a standard Correct. one to ten? I'm going to go, I'm gonna go seven. I'm going to go seven. I, I, and and there job. was a part of me, I wrote a story for ESPN.com. 
And I found all the reasons to try to be optimistic. I I wrote about all the ways that Cubs fans should look to history to feel confident. And there was an obscure tidbit that started floating around social media that Sunday afternoon because it was an NFL Sunday. And the Bengals and the Washington team had played to a 27-27 tie in London that morning. And it was the second tie game in the NFL in that very young season. And someone noted that it was the first time there were two ties in an NFL season since 97, which happened to be the same year the Cleveland Indian Guardians lost the World Series in seven games. So the Cubs fans were like, it's a sign. We're going to ride with this because we got nothing else to cling to. So I took that tidbit and I found all the times that other teams had come back from three to one, all the times the Indians had lost three in a row, all the times the Cubs had won three in a row. You know, I went back and I found, you know, well, Theo and Jed were a part of the Boston team that came down for 3-0 against the Yankees. The Flyers did this once against the Bruins. It's like I went digging. Oh, I went, I brought up LeBron. I'm like, I was digging. (laughs) And I convinced myself a little bit to stay as optimistic. That's why I was a seven. And I walked in and I was like, I'm not giving up. I'm not bringing that energy into the ballpark. There's enough bad juju here. I'm going to be a bright, shining ray of still a seven, but as shiny a seven as you can be. But it's also Trevor Bauer on the on the hill right, for right. Cleveland. That's weird now, huh? That feels different. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> yes, yes. Trevor Bauer. But we got John Lester. And then Chapman comes in to try to get eight outs. Now, yeah. How nervous are you at this point, Sarah? Because it's it's Chapman. It's the Chapman. Yeah. It's the roller coaster. Like the Cubs haven't had a closer this emotionally up and down for me since Rod Beck. Okay, how about can we I mean, are you taking out Carlos Marmol because he just was never quite good enough for the roller coaster to get high enough? It was always a little too low. Because Marmol had his moments, but he took you on a ride. But I feel like Beck and Chapman had more of a well, he can do it, but it's gonna be an adventure. Right, right, right. Whereas Marmol Carlos Marmol was, was like, he's probably not gonna do it, and it's gonna be an adventure. Oh my god, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Wow, okay. Can I can I mention um Mel Rojas right, here right. or yeah. Bob Wickman <laughs> or any dude, there are so many. I, I, there are so many Doug Jones. That guy throws a changeup as his main <laughs> closer pitch. What the hell world is this? Uh, I mean, like, I, yes, there's Lee Smith, uh, but Cubs history is littered yeah. with closers who just make well, you go crazy. And here's the thing that sucked, particularly for me about Chapman, is I actually believed in him as a pitcher more than almost anyone that we'd had in that spot in a long time. But I also deeply despised having to root for him because of the nature by which he had come to the Cubs and because of the way he had handled it. We don't have to rehash it all, but essentially I was falling asleep when I got my lecture about whether or not I learned anything from from the accusations of domestic violence and, and shooting a gun haphazardly into a space full of people. Like he claimed he was sleeping and he doesn't really remember what Theo said to him about it. Like that kind of lack of accountability and laissez-faire about it all made it so much harder for me as a fan because I had imagined and envisioned so many times in my head what it would look like if the Cubs won it all and rushing to the mound and hugging and embracing and all these players that for the last couple years I had really grown to love and root for and the idea that he would be in the middle of it and that's what happened for the pennant win was just so icky to me so when he came out I'm like gah I have to really want him to do great and be the hero here and I actually think he could do it, uh, but what toll will that take for later? And uh, how doubly angry will I be if we lose and we go home 
on Araldus Chapman blowing it. That that is that's a well discussed deal with the devil that was made by making mm-hmm. that trade, and I think everybody within the organization and certainly the fans dealt with it. I remember the day they made that trade coming into work that morning and thinking, God, I hope this is not mm-hmm. true somehow. Yeah. I hope by the time the microphone goes on, this is not true. And it just it just wasn't the case. So you had those moments along the way where you're like, oh, man, this guy. And we'll, we'll get to what happened in yeah. game seven. Where it all, all ended just up kinda, great. It all ended yeah, up working well, out perfectly. He was not on the mound. He did not get the win. <laughs> But, but he but, was available as a vessel for anger yeah, 100%. once he gave up yeah. that home run. Pe- people, and, and all of it came flooding back like, see, yeah. that's why yeah. I didn't well, want Well, that's guy. where, we, that's thought, that's where we thought the deal with the devil, the karma was hitting us. That's, that's what yes. we were feeling. I will say nobody believes me, but I said from the beginning, and as silly as it is, for me it was necessary, I said, I'm never going to root for him. If they win the game, at the end of the game, I will cheer for my team having won. I will never clap for him. I will never root for him when he's doing anything. I'm just sitting on my hands because I couldn't do it. And it was it was so it made me so angry that of all the good stuff that was floating around this team that we were so into, that there was this element that you always had to kind of yeah. be like, ugh, ugh. Hmm. Um, I, I want to go back to the be, the beginning of, of this game for a second, uh, if, if we can. So, look, we, we talked about uh, personal ticket adventures along the way in this World Series, and I had some crazy stuff in Game 3. Game 5, that afternoon, I'm at work, and the big boss of the radio station is there, and he looks at me and he says, Hey, um, you want to go to the game tonight for Game 5 of the World Series? I'm like, What? He's like, yeah, I got two two of my seats. They were wow. like, you know, the eighth row seats behind the plate. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And he's like, you deserve wow. it. And it was one of those moments where you don't, you don't expect that kind of thing. So like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to game five of the World Series. So like, I call up my friend, my guitar player, my band. I'm like, let's go. And so we go to the World Series and we're so incredibly excited. Wow. But as we've been talking about, the Cubs are not getting it done. The offense is terrible. We're sitting there in these incredible seats right next to that boss who's having a couple of drinks, and we're having a couple of drinks, but it was dead in there. Do you guys remember how oh, dead it was? That's what everybody oh. was terrified. Because Jose Ramirez mm-hmm. hits that home run. They're up one nothing. All the energy, yeah. And the Cubs, the Cubs are doing nothing. Mm. It was so mm. quiet. And I'm like, this is not how it's supposed mm. to end. This is not what is supposed to be here. And damn it, I'm in the greatest seats of my <laughs> life for a World Series game, and this is not happening. And I'm telling you, when Chris Bryant hits that home run to lead off the fourth inning. You've got to put something on the board right here. The entire building changed. The body chemistry of everybody in attendance changed. The fates of a 3-1 series changed. Maybe they knew about your football scores and that whole thing, Sarah. I don't know. But, like, Bryant's home run was the massive turning point of that postseason. Like, to me, I always think about the Giants' comeback in the first round, but then that Bryant home run was like, oh, Things are possible. My bad. And they scored two more runs that inning, and it was like off we to the We needed races something to cling to. And you're absolutely right. There was so much terror. And just, you know, I was, what was really cool about my situation was I managed to get to work it and represent Chicago and Cubs fans because I did all pre- and post-game sports centers for every home game. But when the game started, I got to go in and be a fan. So 
got hold back wow. on the beers, but. You know, I, I got to stand in front of Wrigley, surrounded by fans before the game, and say how we were feeling at every turn, and then rush out and, for instance, after Game Five, you know, get to Murphy's and stand in a crowd of, and it, it's not over. You know, we're in this, we're we're going back to Cleveland. You know, so I had this balance of like, I get to live out this dream of standing in a crowded space in Wrigleyville, surrounded by other people, and being Chicago to the national audience and and feeling authentic. And, and it's not someone that they dropped in to represent Chicago. It's someone who feels it all, but then actually be in the, in the stands. And so I had to spend all of the pregame for that, trying to bring my optimism to my sports center reports and talk about all, here's all the things that I looked up and the ways that there, it, it still could happen and yada, yada. Um, but then you walk in and you could feel everybody else. Oh, like everyone's ready for a funeral. And so you're right that Chris Bryant, it, it, it was absolutely necessary, probably for the whole team too. What's the vibe of the Cleveland fans in Chicago after the after that game specifically? I don't Are remember many fans. Do you remember a lot of <laughs> Cleveland fans in Chicago? She's like no. they don't travel. No, I'm sure they Man. tried, but it was expensive. I no. mean. Several thousand dollars a piece for me and my husband. And then game five, we were in my husband's uh, season ticket seats. So that was like, the you know, you, you finally got to make good on investing for years in crap teams by not having to pay out of pocket. The average price for a game five ticket was $3,500. The most expensive, Matt seats, 8275 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I just remember the demand because sh- Cub fans are everywhere, Roy. I'm sure there was a full flight of Cub fans from Alabama that was on yes, their way up. It was to, uh, literally, literally, and this is not hyperbole, it was the most expensive ticket in sports at the yeah. time. More than 100%, the Super Bowl. 100%. And that's why there weren't – that's why I don't remember a lot of Indians fans because – it, it's not the kind of thing where you've got your seats, but you know how much money you can make to sell them because then you're not there for the World Series for the Cubs. It's the last one. Like you're not you're not gonna miss the World Series for the Cubs at Wrigley if you're a real fan. No matter yeah, how much this money was you the get. last World Series game for maybe another hundred years. Because we after this, no. we're going don't back to Cleveland for that, game Roy. six. Yeah. Yeah. Don't God, say that, Roy. <laughs> God forbid that had been a clinching game. I'm just I, I just love that Matt's boss goes, hey. You seem like you'd like this. <laughs> you like baseball, here's, don't you, kid? Here's $16,000 worth of happiness. <laughs> Go knock yourself out there, kiddo. I know. Meanwhile, I my know. boss is like, yeah, I'll give you the day off. You can fly there, but you need to be back in the morning. We were the flagship. We were the flagship, Roy. It's like it used to be the way, and it doesn't even happen anymore, and it barely happened then, but it was like, oh, who needs tickets? I got some tickets right here in the drawer. Yeah. I mean, that's how it That's how it used to work, especially with baseball tickets. But, yeah, the fact that it happened in this circumstance is ridiculous. And the, and the thing about, you know, we're talking about it. They're down 3-1. I mean, talking to, like, the broadcasters, Len Casper was telling me, he's like, we were just kind of hoping we'd be able to go back to Cleveland and make them sweat a little yeah, bit. not win it. You know, that was, yeah. that, not about winning it. It's just like, can we extend this? Could we have the season not end mm. tonight? That would be nice. That's where the goal was at that point. Let me just say, since we're on the topic of tickets, that I have to give a shout out to my ingenious friend, Mike Regent, who years before the World Series was trying to come up with like a Groupon for sweets. So if they weren't going to get used at the last second, you could get a suite and then the teams would get something out of it. 
So right before the World Series, he had all these connections from trying to start this business. He called every team that the Cubs might play, and he bought a suite for what would be the World Series. And then all the people said, of course, we'll refund you if the Cubs don't make it or if our team's not in it. So for all of the Cleveland games, I was in a suite for 600 either 600 or $800 a game in a suite, all you can eat and drink, didn't have to hustle for any of the games, didn't ever have to make a plan, just knew that I was going there and I was going to be in a suite. So like that was the best part, especially when game seven gets pushed and everyone's scrambling and spending their children's college savings. I was like, I'm good. I'm right here. You don't have to disrespect me to my face, but <laughs> continue. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the gotometer was down to a six again. I felt like we had a little bit of the energy. We had forced them back home. We had Kyle Schwarber heading into the lineup again, who had done so well uh, in the first and second game. And I felt I felt like there was a, an energy there that we couldn't push it to six and not get to seven, that it just wasn't going to end with a trip back to Cleveland for nothing. Mm -hmm. That makes all the sense in the world. And it wasn't Corey Kluber. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Trevor Bauer. It was Josh Tomlin. And there was Jake Arrieta on the other side. And it's like, oh, man, this is gettable. And the Cubs burst out with three in the first inning. And you're like, here we go. Because there's a home run from Bryant. There's the Indians completely Mm -hmm. freaking out in the outfield and letting a ball drop between them for two runs to score. And there's that feeling of, oh, it's payback time. Now they're puckered. Now they're stressed. Because they also haven't won it in a billion years. And we're putting all of that weight on ourselves, but they have the second longest streak without winning. So they're also feeling it now that they've wasted this opportunity to put us to bed back at Wrigley. Correct. They should have finished it off. They did not. And now here comes the young and hungry and beautifully, blissfully ignorant mm-hmm. Cubs core to just go ahead and get this done. Um, and 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 so those three runs, and it's it doesn't stop there. There's four more in the third inning. <laughs> Right there, when it went 7 nothing, that's uh-huh. when I got on the ticketing websites to look at Game 7 <laughs> tickets. Yeah. I, start, I started looking at, my girlfriend could tell you, I, I was sitting there, I was Googling flights while watching the well, game. Well, my husband goes to the bathroom, 
it can, just can't hold it, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if the bases were loaded or just two on at the time, but he decides this is a great time to go to the bathroom when Addison Russell hits the grand slam. We're all losing our minds. Brad comes out of the bathroom like, huh? Like, you moron. <laughs> you missed oh, it. Man. You missed it. Uh, but, I mean, Addison, again, someone who at the time we weren't very blissfully cheering for and rooting for and thought was just a fresh-faced young kid, but 22 years old. I mean, that's to your point, Speaks. It's like he just doesn't know any better. I'm just going to step up with the bases juiced in Game 6 of the World Series with my team's entire history and narrative on the line, and I'm going to stroke a grand slam. we got to talk about one baseball thing. I will never forget Aroldis Chapman coming into this game, this game six, when the Cubs have this enormous lead. And I'm thinking, why? What are you doing? You have overused this guy. And if you haven't overused him, you've at least used him to the to the extent of his powers and capabilities. You don't know what you need tomorrow in game seven. I know you got to win game six, but this thing was never Carl closer than Edwards seven is to right two. There. Yeah. The string bean slinger, man. What are Get we doing? Get the ball to Carl Jr. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so Aroldis pitches, he threw 20 pitches. He got four outs in a 7-2 to two game yeah. when you probably need him tomorrow night. That was scary, the, and it was a harbinger of trouble the next so night. Frustra- so much frustration for Madden, and my, as an optimist, my response always is, we won the World Series, right? Like, we can go back and talk about it if you want, but we won the World Series. But to your point, there were so many moments throughout where – Gosh, if they had lost, you could have pinned it on him for all of these choices that he made. And that, and that was one of the big ones. I was okay in game five because I thought this could be it. This is your season. And if you don't trust anyone else and they've been two in and out and you want Araldis to go longer than usual, okay. But in game six, no. Nah. I, I, I remember we were absolutely up in arms about it. We could not figure out what he was doing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. On Madden, Sarah – do you feel I feel like this is one of the very rare times in history where a manager won a World Series title and lost strategic respect around the league? And it's a crazy thing to say, but I've talked to people mm. who feel that. I mean, way. I think I it depends on who you're talking to. I think that to to do that is to be looking at the minutia of of game decisions, which are huge, but not look at the bigger picture of what kind of manager had to come in to take a Cubs team to a World Series win. Who did you need? What kind of mentality? What kind of psychology? What kind of approach? Because as much as we can talk about the players not taking on all of the of the stress and the ennui of the fans, there is still a very true reality that you understand in the moment that you have 100 plus years of history, that you are literally the goalpost and benchmark for losing in everything. The Cubs are the joke of every late night talk show host when they need to talk about futility, we're the benchmark for that. And you can't escape that. And to have the right guy in place, I think to criticize Joe for those mistakes is fair, but to not see big picture how much his theme nights and day at the zoo at the ballpark actually really matters. So the Cubs had just forced a game seven. It all bets were off. Zero, zero. Let's go. It, the energy, I just knew it. So we decided to hit the town in Cleveland, uh, which is tougher than you might imagine. Everything closes super early. But we end up at a bar with Eddie Vedder, John Cusack, Chris Chelios, Bill Murray. And they're all in this what? upper area. And they're trying desperately to get the PA system, the electric system to work because they want to sing. 
They all want to sing together up there, and they can't get it to work. So eventually they just end up leaning over the balcony to the maybe 30 or so other people who had found this bar that was technically open after hours. They'd shut the door, and they start singing. And I, I wish I could desperately remember the song, but they're singing together, leaning over. And at some point, Bill's got to go. He's overserved and presumably needs to rally himself for a Game 7 performance. So the DJ starts playing the Ghostbusters theme song. Chris Chelios comes out as lead blocker, and he's just sort of got Bill, he's got both hands behind him, pulling Bill behind him nice and tight, like a fullback for his star running back, and he's weaving, it. not a lot of people, but we're packed in there because everyone wants to, you know, (laughs) tap Bill on the head, and let's go, and so... And there's Trellios just weaving a absolutely demolished Bill Murray out the side of the bar. We want to keep partying. We turn and go to the bar, and they have run out of beer. There is no more beer in the bar, which, by the way, is the second time I've done that because I was also a part of the famous Nashville running out of beer when the Bears fans came down for the Titans game. I'm not going to say it's always me, but I have a pretty decent tolerance. Somehow I keep, being in, I keep being involved in the, in the city's running out of beer. The bar's out of beer, and, and so we party for a little bit more, but then we're like, you know, we got to get, get it together for tomorrow. But it, was, it just all started to feel so right again. It started to feel like the magic at the beginning when all these people are together and we're so optimistic now and it just helped create that like magic heading into game seven (laughs) that's awesome so sarah we'll get you out of here on this you are a part owner of a national women's soccer league franchise surprisingly the one in chicago the red stars what a shock what if what if as an owner as an executive as a front office executive (laughs) what aspects of cubs fandom do you all try to copy over there? Are you trying to instill into uh, what you all are doing over there with the Red Stars? Yeah, if you'll excuse me for a moment, I'm just going to grab my monocle and my yacht. It's just I have to have it for moments when I represent ownership. It just doesn't feel but, right. Yeah, how do you build a Wrigleyville? Um, As a no, Wrigleyvillian, how do you build Rigvillian. that same thing? That sounds like something Eddie Vedder would shove into a song because he needed the exact number of beats, uh, like when he turned to Wrigley Field. Um The toughest thing, I think, one of the toughest things for trying to grow women's sports is the built-in nostalgia and history isn't there, right? So the longest-running league, the WNBA, is still only at 25 years. So maybe there's a tie to your parents, and they're going to the games of the team that you love. For the NWSL, they're almost a decade, not quite. So there aren't the traditions and the history and the nostalgia carried forth generation to generation. We are the people who need to create those. So that's what I'm trying to take from the Cubs. What do, what connects me to the team, even as the players change and the results differ, is the idea of, I know what Amos Catulli means, and it means something to me. I want to sing Go Cubs Go at the end of the game. I want to sing the seventh inning stretch. There are traditions, there are moments in every game experience and in the fandom that ties me to all the other people in the ballpark and all the other people that root for that team. I know I can talk to a stranger in the middle of a bar in a state I've never been to, and if we start talking Cubs, we can talk about those things that we share and we both know. That's what I'm trying to figure out how to get to the Red Stars and to that culture in Chicago is what are the moments that people can share and they know I'm a Red Stars fan, you're a Red Stars fan, we're a part of this inner club because we can we can tie these things uh, to each game and to each experience. So that's that's what I'm working on. Well, Sarah Spain, 
you are my friend, and I mean this, mm-hmm. and I can say this with the truth now because when I'm done with my stand-up special this year, I'm taking a bunch of time off the road. Oh, yeah. And I'm leaving March open, and I yes, will Yes, let's do on it. That party bus. Yes, we've got I the dates. Man. We will send them to you. We are ready to go. I'm leaving my woman. I'm leaving my child. Perfect. I'm coming to hang <laughs> with you. Bring the bathrobe. I should probably wash it. You haven't smelled it. It's been some years. You'll fit right in. <laughs> that was Sarah Spain. You can catch her on all of the ESPN family of networks. And next episode, Matt, we finally get into the big one. Game seven. It might be the greatest game seven of all time. It might be the greatest game of all time. It is in the conversation for greatest sporting event of all time. And part of that is because of what awaited at the end of it. We got a lot to go through about that game. Yeah, absolutely. We'll break it down next episode. The Run is a production of Odyssey in partnership with Major League Baseball. Jody Avergan of Roulette Productions is our executive producer. Justin Kaufman is senior producer. Mixing by Joanna Ketcher at Nice Matters. Our theme song is a cover of Steve Goodman's Go Cubs Go by Chicago's very own The Hood Internet. Special thanks to J.D. Crowley and Mike D. at Odyssey and Nick Trotta at Major League Baseball. Mitch Rosen, Dustin Hapley, and Russ Matera and everybody else at 670 The Score. Also to everyone at Odyssey and Major League Baseball who helped make this happen. Matt, I would also like to thank, and this is sincere, David DeJesus, who hooked me up with my first rooftop tickets. The first time I ever did the rooftop, David and his wonderful wife, Kim, so kind. These are my favorite parts of the show. Oh